As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Intellectual Eric prides himself on being a connoisseur of arts and creativity, from gravestones to ballet. I think I'm well-read. I think I'm well-spoken. I think I'm well above average. It is important to me to carry myself in a manner where people are going to say, you know what, he knows what he's doing. Welcome to No Dunks. I'm Tass Mellis. And with me are a couple of your favorites, J.E. Skeets and the man making the magic happen, J.D. Also with us, writer for The Athletic and host of the Standing Room Only podcast, it's Ben Standing. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, thank you uh, so much for having me. And I definitely appreciate the warning here that says you're on the show. Everyone can see and hear you. I feel like it's an important message this week, so I appreciate the reminder. I'm pumped that people can actually see you, all the stream teamers, because you are rocking a Grizzlies hat. Like, I, I guess that's a Vancouver <laughs> throwback Grizzlies hat? It, 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 it is. It is. I, I Literally, this may be one of the first one, first or second time I've ever worn it. Uh, I, I was a big Steve Francis fan back in the day, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's where it came. And it just lived in the closet, didn't want to mess with it. But uh, I've been doing a lot of cleaning during the pandemic. So uh, I found it and I was like, if I'm ever wearing it, this is the moment. Nice. Yeah, a couple of boxes already checked. Some Canadian <laughs> love. We got a pun in the standing room only podcast. So... <laughs> Those are a couple of the reasons we wanted to have you on. But the main reason uh, was because you talked to some NBA agents about everything basketball. Oh, and they gave you the juice. We got some good stuff from those guys. You and the Athletics' Mike Borkanoff and Michael Lee surveyed 20 NBA agents who are very connected behind the scenes, but they rarely talk publicly. Uh, They discussed some good stuff, a few of them. Why some of them dislike LeBron James. Hello! Yeah, we'll be getting to that. There's definitely a lot of love as well. That's that's great stuff. We'll get to that. Uh, the big name players likely to move this offseason and the franchises that need to shake things up. The best GMs in the NBA. Why many agents despised the draft process under these new conditions. Uh, and the agent survey is on The Athletic now in two parts. You can get access to The Athletic for a dollar a month. Just wanted to remind you and me of that because sometimes... I go to theathletic.com slash no dunks and think, oh, that deal's gone. There's no way that's there. And then it's still <laughs> jarring from $8 to $1 a month. That deal is still happening. So go get that article. Uh, ben, let, let's start with a fun one. First question here. Let's get to the bubble. What is the strangest thing an agent had to send to one of his players <laughs> in the bubble? 
this may have been my favorite question that I that I came up with because you're I, you know you're imagining all the things that could possibly be going on here uh, with these players, especially you know the, the bubble when it first started. It felt like this is just foreign entity. It's like we were we we're colonizing some other planet or something. Um, <laughs> you know, the answers in, in a lot of ways were were semi conventional. Somebody said they sent a mattress. Yep. Uh, somebody <laughs> talked about an electric scooter because the person had a 15-minute walk from their room to where they needed to go. They had to make that, like, several times a day, and they decided that, that, that they weren't using their feet for that, so they got an electric scooter. Um, heard about wine. Um, I, I think the, the thing that sort of stood out to me, and it's not the type of thing I can con convey in the survey, is most of the questions are fairly conventional about the world of basketball. This was outside the box, and when you would ask the question, the pause was interesting. Like, oh. the, you could definitely... You could definitely tell that we're like, yeah. Uh, wait, you could see all the the wheels spinning. Right? I need to think about this. What am I? What what can I say? What can I not say? Yeah, do I want to reveal uh, these answers? <laughs> yeah, let me, let me let me let me think about this. And then uh, so I, I suspect so it lets my mind wonder, you know, which NBA player actually got a unicorn that the agent just didn't want to tell us about. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, if only we could see what really was going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, one of the items was a Bluetooth air freshener. First off, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> But I have a feeling that air freshener was coming with another product maybe shipped their way. That's all I'm going to say. And that part didn't make the article. But uh, yeah. yeah. And also, there was a super agent, like a super response. We didn't ask. We just sent stuff. We sent music. We sent gadgets on a weekly basis. We sent items. That's a, that's a good agent right there. Or at least a slick answer. We didn't even have to wait for them to ask us what we wanted. We just sent them cool things. That's smart. Absolutely, you know, some some guys definitely flexed in their answers on this and other ones. You could just tell that they, you know, they were on top of their their, their stuff. They didn't, yeah, like you said, they didn't need to be asked. They, they, they were aware of their clients' needs and wants, and they were and they worked it out. And look, obviously, that's why that's that's the way it needs to be, right? I mean, and one thing I'll just say off the top with these agents, it was a wide range of agents. There were some agents who represent, you know, some of the bigger names in the sport, and there were also guys who were at the, you know, working their way up, relatively new to the business, or just, you know have guys who are you know, the, the, the end of the roster type guys. So obviously it comes with different experiences. Mm -hmm. Some guys are just, you know, oh, I, you need something? Let me find it. Other people are like, oh, no, no, we, we have a concierge service in this agency. We'll, we'll work this out. Don't worry right. about it. Yeah, that 15-minute walk from the room to the front concierge, that would anger me as well. I'd get an electric scooter. I was going to say that's got to be J.R. Smith since he's right, – but he probably packed one of those. I imagine he, <laughs> he already had his. But 15 minutes, that's a, that's a long walk. I thought the mattress was crazy. You're in a hotel. You need a specialty mattress. Yeah, come on. He's not sleeping well, Tass. You got, you got to get that orthopedic uh, mattress in there. <laughs> I got to reveal that. I, I want to know who that was. Uh, but let, let's move <coughs> on, on to... Thank, thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. Uh, let's get to the off-season moves because uh, everybody's definitely interested uh, in the agent takes on this because among players likely to be moved... The agents you talk to most often mention Chris Paul from OKC. All right, a repeat from last year. Uh, Victor Oladipo, who is reportedly being shot by Indiana. And the Wizards trading Bradley Beal was a hot one. And you cover the Washington sports for the Athletics, so I wanted to get your take on this. One agent said the Nets may acquire Beal. The Brooklyn Nets, after talking to 20 agents, you think there's a legitimate chance the Nets go after Beal to pair with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? I mean, look, we're definitely in this era, right, where, this, where it's all about the super teams. You need to have more. Do, do, the, do, do the Nets look at what just happened you know, with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis and decide, okay, we have Durant and Kyrie. We can debate whether that's a head-to-head. You know, -head. But what else? What's the next thing 
we do. You have to figure right Milwaukee's probably going to be aggressive, trying to figure out how to keep Giannis, make him happy. So I, I can absolutely see Brooklyn deciding they want to do it. And Bradley Beal, the great thing about him to me, he could go to any team and fit in mm-hmm. because of the way he plays. He's a, he's, he's a guy who can play off the ball. He's a great shooter. He plays hard. Uh, he, he does have the scorer's mentality. I think he's, you know, one thing we've learned about him over the years, not that the Wizards have played in a lot of big games lately, but he has he has risen to the occasion when they have, um, for, for sure. I think he's a great fit for any team. I think the real question probably on this is, where are the Wizards at? Last year, I was firmly in the camp. They should not trade him. Didn't think they would. Obviously, they didn't. I don't know about this time. I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little less certain about this, in part because I don't know where they go. Even with John Wall coming back, I, I don't know where this team is. What are they? The eighth seed in the in the in the East? What Brooklyn was seven right. this year yeah. without Durant and Kyrie. Well, without Durant for sure, and mo- without Kyrie for most of it. Where's Washington going to go? At best eight. So maybe you have to look at if you're Washington and say, it's a lot of money. Are we better off taking the assets going forward? There's a lot of other questions to that, and this isn't about the Wizards, even though I can talk about them all day. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I do think there are there definitely are teams that are asking about him from what I've been told, and I feel like the Wizards are at least a little bit more open to that conversation this year. Right, and how he's going to gel with John Wall coming back, and if John Wall, John Wall is going to be that same player. It didn't really work pre-injury for John Wall. They got to a second round. I was a Wizards fan, uh, but at this time, John Wall not doing himself any favors, and I know you want to talk about this clip uh, because... <laughs> Uh, he was playing cards while being interviewed on television this week. He's playing spades. He's calling for one. Give me that card. Is this funny or horrifying to you? <laughs> and apparently he told Taylor Rooks afterwards he won that spades. Oh, it was worth it. Uh, just, just for your information. Is that horrifying to you or, or what do you think of it? Well, let, let, me, let me step outside my reporter ad for a minute. Uh, somebody who's covered the team for the entire John Wall era. Um, obviously, it's hilarious that, you know, I mean, I, I can barely multitask in life on any level, let alone I'm on camera trying to be presentable and, you know, all that and trying to focus on that right now, like you guys are asking me questions. So props to him for being able to, I guess, sort of play, to, do two things once, although he needed the question repeated. So I guess he wasn't really. <laughs> yeah. Now, for, if I d- dial it back to the Wizards per- perspective, I think it's in the horrifying category because <laughs> the whole point of this thing is. He he's not he's no longer a kid. I still think of him as the kid who the first pick of the 2010 draft, and I've watched his career step by step evolve and how he's gonna you know he, he's still learning. For years it was John and Bradley Beal. They're wait till we see what happens. They're still learning. He's now 30. This is no longer a kid who's figuring this out. He should he should be have have evolved into a leader. And what what is that? How are you? What what kind of? I mean, look, I understand it's not playing the game. But it's an example of what he's thinking about hmm. in this role of, of, of being a, 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 an example for his teammates. If you're going to bring younger guys on this team, Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown, they have a, a, a lottery pick this year. The guy like John Wall is the leader, the, the veteran that these guys are supposed to be setting an example from. <laughs> what, are, what are they seeing? Hey, by the way, when you do television interviews, don't worry about it. Just do whatever you're doing. You, you, you want to play cards? You, you want to check out your email? Go ahead. No, nobody, no, it doesn't matter. It, it is... To me, a, it, to use your terms, a horrifying, it's on the horrifying side because of what it represents. And I will just say this, again, a lot of Wizards talk here, apologies. Um, <laughs> this is, to me, the least interesting they have been right now in the entire John Wall era. And I know that may be saying something, but you know they did have some moments, obviously, a few years ago at the playoffs. And 
in part because of, of him, his contract, we don't know about his injury, and stuff like this. How am I supposed to believe them in any way, shape, or form if this is how the leader of the team or one of the two leaders of the team handles himself in these forms? It's just wild. Again, funny, but in terms <laughs> of the Wizards, it's just, just crazy. Uh, ben, I'm going to need you to repeat all that because I just uh, successfully completed Solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> So if you could just go all over that again. No, you're absolutely right. It doesn't, sure doesn't help his uh, you know, possible trade value, too, which I know is like a heck of a contract to even try and move anyway, coming back from injury. But yeah, you see that, and it's, uh, ooh, that's, it is funny. It's very funny, but uh, not a good look for, like you said, like a leader <laughs> or a guy trying to even rehabilitate his sort of image a little bit as a, as a, as a number one guy, I guess, on teams. So, yeah. Okay, let's, yeah, let's stop with the Wizards yeah, talk enough. here. Now, Taz, yeah. keep us, move Beal, us on. Beal was hot. He was a hot topic amongst yeah. the agents. There was even some talk about him going to the Denver Nuggets. But that Nets rumor, let's stay on the Nets for a sec because this surprised me uh, with the agents. Seven of the 20 agents you talked to believe the Nets are the favorites in the Eastern Conference, and that's without getting Bradley Beal. That's before that. Just yeah. right now, they thought they were the favorites. So were right. you as surprised as me that over a third of the agents you talked to believe that they're the favorites over Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee? What was the sentiment there? Yeah, it's interesting. Now, th- th- we did this survey probably over the course of about two weeks, and depending on where you caught somebody, obviously everybody has their own opinions, but where you caught somebody, did you catch them after the Nets? Had a pretty impressive run in, in the bubble considering – they weren't just missing Durant and and Kyrie. They were missing a lot of pieces, uh, and they still you know were, were still able to make the playoffs and do some do some good uh, do some good things. Um, are, are you the person who was catching um, catching them right after Milwaukee got bounced earlier than expected? Were you catching them before Jimmy Butler did what he did, especially in the finals against LA? Um, I, I think that ultimately Kevin Durant garners a lot of respect, mm-hmm. obviously, and you know a lot of people would argue he's still the best player in the NBA even with the injury. Un- uncertainty and that goes a long way and especially in the eastern conference where you know other than Giannis, he's going to be considered to be the best player in the league i guess we could have to start considering jimmy butler somewhere in this conversation but ultimately it's durant the Kyrie part of it is what throws me the most combined with the, the question we kind of asked was with durant with Kyrie irving and steve nash who's a massive unknown i think people like steve nash people think he's a pretty smart intelligent guy and i'm curious to see what he does but completely unproven head mm-hmm. coach. He's not done this. So to that degree, I think between the Kyrie, Kyrie-ness and the Steve Nash part, yeah, it is a little surprising to me that that many people buy in, but I think it's just this, uh, a signal that Kevin Durant is that good. And also I think people buy what the Nets have done as a foundation for that organization, um, you know, that adding a guy like that to a pretty stable group, uh, it, I think for some has them thinking they could do some pretty good things. Yeah, I was a little shocked at first, too. And then I started thinking about it, like you're saying, Ben, like a lot of people have Kevin Durant on the same level as LeBron James. Now, we, we could debate that, whether it's actually LeBron still is higher, even though he's older and all that. But I think they're maybe looking at it, like you said, hey, LeBron, when he was in the East, well, it was basically a lock for the finals. They would go all the way to the finals. I mean, yes, he had, of course, other talented guys around him, including Kyrie Irving. And they just have Durant on that level. They're like, well, KD's in the East. Why couldn't he replicate that, right? Of course, if he can come back uh, and be close to 100%. Oh, yeah, Kyrie's there. And there's other pieces. And who knows if they even go get the third star. Yeah, at first I was a little bit like, wow, already? We've seen these super teams. It takes a year usually. I mean, we just saw it with the Clippers. We've seen it, of course, with the Heat before. Um, You don't just go win a championship. But, man, I just think you're right. The agents hold Kevin Durant at at such a high esteemed level. Um, 
you know, pretty close parallel to LeBron that it's like, yeah, he's in the East. He's going to do some, he's going to do some damage. So it sort of makes sense. There's also the variable of his injury, right? I mean, we have no idea really yeah. what to expect with him coming back, which also makes it even a little surprising as well that you're just going to say off the bat, that's the team, that's the team to, uh, to, to beat when he's got this injury. But again, I think injuries, you know, guys are coming back, you know, healthier than ever. And, you know, again, he's starting at a pretty good level off the bat uh, with what he can do. Now, one thing that kind of surprised me from the agent's uh, perspective and what they said was that the Bucks could make a major move this offseason, as well as the Sixers, who we all expect uh, to make a major move somewhere down the line. But these agents are in the know talking to GMs. They know what GMs desire and what contract from the Sixers among that Tobias Harris, Al Horford, or even their stars like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could be movable. So with the, from the Sixers' perspective, is there a consensus on which piece could be moved this offseason? Yeah, I mean, you're right. You mentioned guys like Al Horford, Tobias Harris. I think for the most part, when this conversation was happening, it was focused on Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. And my sense and talk in the agents that I spoke with was that Ben Simmons is the more likelier wow. piece to go. Uh, you know, obviously a lot's going to come down to what's the offer. What what can you do? Now, of course, uh, a lot of this was being done before Doc Rivers uh, came on board. So maybe mm-hmm. the, Doc Rivers changes that dynamic. Maybe he says to everybody in the building, whoa, hold on, hold on here. I want to I wanna work here with these guys. I, I, I got the magic touch. I know how to talk to these superstar kind of players. Let me work this out. But I think right now... If you if you had to sort of pin down which of those two guys, I think Ben Simmons would be the one that I think where the agents were leaning would would go. And you know there were a couple of fun thoughts on the side about about what what possible um, deals are out there. But I, I think that's where people were going. Uh, by the way, I'm with you. Like the 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 the, the Horford Tobias Harris part feels like ultimately that's really where things kind of got let down that they didn't have like you know Jimmy Butler that they had that guy before and these guys weren't at that level, but obviously, and, you know, regardless of the Embiid Simmons awkwardness out there on the court and whether they like each other and all that stuff, not having, I think that third guy that could really, really take over, uh, I think to me was, was probably the bigger problem. Right. And and I don't have the quote right here, but there was an agent who said, uh, Jimmy Butler, not a huge fan, but how the hell did the Sixers let him go after watching what he did in the bubble? Uh, Which is, very, very true. And Josh Richardson came back for him. So there's just so many working parts. I'm just wondering, who can they move, really? If, yeah. if it's not one of those stars, it's going to be really interesting. Now, the, the agents don't necessarily know who is moving, but to hear this one agent say this, I had to bring this up. Now, again, it's just one agent. But one agent said, Kawhi Leonard, what could be moved this offseason? The agent said, quote, I heard the Clippers are going to break that roster up. He literally said Kawhi could be on the move. Is there... Any truth to that, do you think, Ben? I mean, I would think logically, no. They literally moved heaven and earth to get him there. And look, obviously, it was a massive disappointment how things broke for them in the bubble. I wouldn't, you know, regardless of what, you know, Game 7 was not his finest moment um, against Denver. But, I, you know, I think it's pretty obvious to point to other players on that team where the problem was. I do think, though, however, like, right, wasn't, there was a story in The Athletic, right, just in the last few days, talking about how some players on the team apparently – bristled about how Kawhi was given, you know, incredible special treatment uh, throughout the season, load management, and and just even things like, I think, like I said, like he was, um, he's a San Diego guy. He was allowed to go back to San Diego and 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 go kind of sort of commute back and forth, and that led to some issues and, um, uh, and things like that. Also, look, he is an odd guy. I don't think that's breaking news, and I am, <laughs> I am curious about how two months in the bubble with him kind of went over. Um, <laughs> you know, so... 
I would be stunned if they moved him. But I could imagine that somebody would be like, hey, uh, from a chemistry standpoint, is this going to work? But again, I, I can't comprehend how you're moving Kawhi Leonard, a guy who literally can win you the NBA Finals, not by himself, but, you know, be the be the fulcrum to get that done. I don't see how you're doing that when, when the Clippers are the definition of all in to win the title. Yeah, that, that stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm glad you brought that up, Tass. Because you like all these high-profile names that we're talking about. Chris Paul, okay, yeah. Oladipo, okay. Even Beal. And then you see like Kawhi, and you're like, what? What is this guy uh, talking about? What does he know? Um, I'm with you though, Ben. I think it's a little far-fetched. Though I don't think it's crazy to think the Clippers make moves, uh, even with right. Ty Lue coming in there. Because yeah, I know I know Clutch Points. Was it Clutch Points had the great graphic uh, where the Clippers, like players, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, and these guys are saying, hey, athletic writers, hey, hey, Buha, hey, Joe Varden, you don't know stuff. And there's like a hilarious like battle, like they're going to fight or something image. Yeah, um, Joe, Joe Varden looks like a heavyweight in that Yeah, battle. I know. Yeah. So I get that. They're like, come on. It's not that bad. But it does seem like there was like this sort of like, uh, you know, fracture between the old guys, the older Clippers, if you want to call them that. And then these new superstars in Kawhi and Paul George coming in there and the preferential treatment that they got They're it seems like there was something there, and of course that it reared its ugly head when they lost, uh, giving up the three-one lead to the Nuggets. So they'll be a fun team to watch for, uh, see if anything happens. But I will bet money on Kawhi not being traded. I'm going to say that one agent is uh, wishful thinking there, maybe, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, amongst our fans, there's a lot of well, uh, Paul George could be moved, and there's a lot of uh, trade machine work with Paul George. But even I see those emails, and we have a mailbag show, and I say. Uh-uh, delete. Uh, because I, 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 they have, as you said, Ben, they've moved heaven and earth to get these two guys on the roster. They're giving them two years. It, it would be such a downgrade to trade Paul George for whatever, a complimentary package that would look more like they were last year when they gave the Warriors a six-game run in the first round, a bunch of complimentary parts like that. I understand Paul George not playing to his capabilities, but... Uh, you're giving it another They're, year. Yeah, why? Why the heck not? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. This team is going for a championship, so it wouldn't really make sense to trade that type of package for that type of package. And also by dumping Doc Rivers, I mean that was effectively okay. We yeah. made the big move. I mean now, right or wrong, they've made that move. Now they're going to see what you know what this new look that it can do for them. I would imagine. Right, and I recommend people go read some of these agents' opinions, even if it's just for the shock and uh, uh, some of it, uh, because there's a few. One agent. On DeMar DeRozan, he said, quote, DeMar doesn't like San Antonio and doesn't want to be there. Another agent on Fred Van Vliet, who is a free agent this offseason, if he doesn't get money from Toronto, might get it from Detroit, where he would be a number one or number two guy. And another agent said, the Nuggets are overloaded with talent, need to go after a star, Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday are possible. Mm -hmm. So lots of juice there. And after all your chats, do you think there's another team out there which will... Most definitely. It's an imminent move that they're going to make a significant off-season deal. I mean, Portland, to me, is one that it does feel, and this was mentioned in the survey, some yep. people cited them. It just feels like it, they, they do need to do something. I, I couldn't be, for somebody who doesn't, I don't root for the Blazers. I don't care. I've never been to Portland. I you know, didn't even watch Great Portlandia. Place. Great place. I, 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 oh, wow. <laughs> you got to watch it, Portlandia. It, it, it's, it's an omission. It's not a. Uh, it's, it's not a, a statement. I just haven't. It's, it's on the list. Um, but like, I, but I, I'm all in on Damian Lillard. Wow. I mean, he is just unbelievable. It's not just that he makes the shots from you know 40 feet and he's waving, uh, waving uh, teams off the court. It's just big games, big moments. The guy shows up, and I. I mean, who doesn't like that? But it's obvious they can. They as constructed, they're only going to get so far. 
Um, you know, it's funny, again, not to go back to the Wizards talk, but for a while we had the John Wall Beal versus Lillard and McCollum. At least that was a discussion yep. in my in my house at various points uh, over this last few years. And we kind of see how both of those groups can only get you so far or only have gotten you so far. And in this case, Lillard is clearly one of the, you know, pick your number, 10 best players in the league. He can make the plays at the end of the game. You need to win a title, but they need more. So I don't know if that's trading C.J. McCollum to get some things or making some only move elsewhere, but they definitely need to do something and you know look Lillard's got you know he's not he's not getting old or anything but time is you know it's it's getting there this is the prime of his career yep. do something and I feel like they're a team that 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 could if not should do something oh yeah go two years prior I mean we talked about it as Raptors fans all the time DeRozan and Lowry was the same thing it was like right. you win a lot of regular season games you can win a playoff series or two are you gonna win a title with these two guys as your as your main guys? The answer was no. And, uh, you know, they got a little lucky, and we got Masai Ujiri as Raps fans. I mean, pulling off the maybe the move of the, move of the franchise, for sure, and getting Kawhi on a one-year rental, and it ends <laughs> up winning him a championship. But, yeah, you're, I'm with you on that. I, I thought the Portland uh, responses from some of these agents was, again, a little like, oh, wow, that's a team I hadn't really thought of. They are a good team. But I'm sure Damian Lillard and all these guys, the entire franchise, they, they have a goal to win a title. Can you do it? How they're currently reconstructed. I don't think so. I'm sort of with you, um, but you can sure get some nice pieces or another big uh, name to uh, pair with Lillard if you are open to trading, you know, a McCollum or a young guy like Zach Collins or whoever it is. So uh, yeah, that's a that was a fascinating one for sure. And, and I would just add to this: we talk about the best players in the league, whatever that list is. I think there's a separate list, and that list is in the last five minutes of a game seven type situation. Who can win you the game? Mm-hmm. I don't think that list is that long, and Damian Lillard is definitely on it. And because right. of that, you need to take advantage of that opportunity. There's some other guys we might say are top 10 players that I don't feel comfortable saying they can win you the title in the end. Yeah. He can, and that's why you have – this is not just taking advantage of a really good player. This is taking advantage of a title opportunity if you get the right things around him. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more from Ben Standig, including LeBron hate? What? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, well, speaking of great players... You're going to create some headlines around LeBron James here, Ben, what the agents had to say about Bron, because uh, there was some hate for LeBron James, and that seems a little unfathomable to us sitting here watching LeBron and what he's done. Now, there's definitely some love for LeBron about his public school in Ohio, what he's done for children there. One agent called him the greatest philanthropic athlete since Muhammad Ali. Lots of good compliments. Many discuss his near goat status, but that's not going to create the headlines. What's going to get the juice going uh, is some of the vitriol. One agent said, quote, transcendent talent, but an over-choreographed public image and off-the-court persona, too obviously rehearsed and planned, not genuine, an obsession with creating a legacy instead of letting the legacy create itself. Okay, one person may be spewing some, some hate. Uh-uh. 
Next agent. Terrific player, but an insatiable ego. Whoa, next one. There's another one. When I'm not talking shit about him, I talk about what he does for people and his people. All right, so a bit of a, a backhanded compliment. But in general, LeBron James, was it more vitriol or love for this obviously polarizing player uh, in in the minds of agents? What did you take from talking to them? Yeah, and so this was another question. Like, I, I thought we had to have a LeBron James-centric question mm-hmm. in, in this survey because he is – Love him or hate him, he is he is the NBA has been for the last you know umpteen years, and and people have have lots of thoughts. And so the question was simply this: it wasn't you know all these other ones were you know thought out how we phrase something. This was simply LeBron James thoughts, and go, <laughs> go, and go from there. And and this one people didn't you know again for better or for worse. I, if I had to add it up, I suspect there was more positive than negative. But the but the split is it wasn't fifty fifty, but it was closer to the middle than maybe some would think just based on if you list his accomplishments both on and off the court. And, you know, you, you mentioned some of the ones about sort of a choreographed image. I, I think that's something I've heard a lot about over the years, for sure, people who've been around the team. And, and you know, look, I have my, my own thoughts on, on some of these things as well, starting going all the way back to, you know, you know, that we're all witnesses, King James, the nickname even of itself, and just starting from there, um, you know, the we all have thoughts on the decision again regardless of how that unfolded it was an attempt to create and you know to 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 do something with his image uh there as well so i i i understand to some degree why some of these agents feel this way also look let's be clear uh these agents are competing uh uh, uh, they have players who are competing against lebron they also are agents competing against clutch sports which is effectively (laughs) you know i don't I, i don't know what the legal documents say about who's the owner and this that and the other but the reality is, at least on the perception level, is that it's LeBron's agency, at least with Rich Paul, and they're therefore competing with LeBron. So obviously that's got to factor into how some of these agents feel about about him, not just as the as a player or or a person, but as a as a rival on some yeah. level in their in their world. So that can't be ignored when, when you see some of these people kind of kind of kind of try to take him down a little bit. Oh yeah, that's exactly it. And there's a lot in the article about that. Um, you know, quoting here again, this is an anonymous agent. LeBron has leveraged his popularity with young players for seducing them for clutch, uh, you know, the agency, Rich Paul, and it's not serving all the players well. But for the players that are suffering, there are no repercussions. So there's this idea of like, it's LeBron, these young guys love him. You know, it, it's similar to like, obviously a ton of players when MJ was getting up there in years and was the GOAT and had all the rings. They're just wooed by the, you know, LeBron, I could be on the same agency, clutch sports. But then some of these agents, again, rivals, competitors, are saying they're actually hurting some of these guys because they're just then completely lost in the shuffle. Um, now, they're again, these agents that are saying this are like, hey, come to us, come to me, you know, we'll right. take care of you. Um, but I thought this was that this part was fascinating. And just even some of them saying, like, should this even be legal? I think someone was quoted as saying, if Rich Paul were a lawyer, he'd have been disbarred five times, disbarred five times. Um, because, you know, LeBron is so powerful, though, there's no accountability. This is a fascinating, juicy part here. Again, if some of these agents saying, I don't know what with LeBron and Clutch and Rich Paul, what they're doing here, whether this is, is fair game really is what they're getting at. Yeah, and there were some names named as well that the mismanagement by Rich Paul cost players like Nerlens Noel, yeah. Norris Cole, and Shabazz Napier millions of dollars, just to name a few, because in this agent's eyes, Rich Paul couldn't service all of those players. He just didn't have the capacity to, hmm. to service all of them. So I wonder with this on the record, Ben, do you think the MBPA evaluates clutch sports and looks at it uh, to determine if players are being represented 
properly? Was there a feeling that there's merit to this argument? It's a good question. Obviously, this topic has come up before to some degree. I, I don't know if we've heard it, though, from, like you said, a, a, another agent, again, off the record. But, you know, regardless, um, but, but I will just say this. I have done these agent surveys before on the NFL side, which is primarily my, my focus with the athletic. And I did those essentially by myself. So I read I knew everything was going to the article in advance. This one, I did it, uh, uh, you know, with uh, Mike Vorkanoff, our Knicks writer, and Michael Lee, who was one of our NBA writers before he just moved on. And I, so I didn't see what they wrote. So when I, so I didn't have this particular answer about clutch sports. And so reading it like anybody else who's reading this article and I hope people do, I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, this is pretty, this is yeah. pretty, this is pretty wild uh, to, to see somebody to say this. I, like I said, I suspect that the, um, that, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the that side is going to look into agents that they've done that to some degree. Obviously, as I said before, I don't know what the legal documents for clutch sports say about who owns what, but the perception is that LeBron is a major factor. You know, one thing about LeBron, the player, you hear Paul Pierce talk about this a lot, that players in Paul Pierce's day were not afraid of LeBron, that they didn't mm -hmm. get bullied <laughs> by the bully. LeBron is the older guy now, and obviously all these younger players, that was, I'm sure, for most of them, their guy, um, especially, sadly, with, you know, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, passed away i can't even still think that happened this year but um Le lebron is the is the guy so many these guys gravitate towards and the idea that he would be interested in you i'm sure on the court makes you maybe not go all all that hard at him simultaneously if he's interested in you from this perspective wait lebron james wants to he wants his agency to represent me that's pretty that's got to be pretty heady stuff for a young player coming into the league or or or, or a younger veteran so I can imagine that that does happen, and I can imagine why these agents are not thrilled, especially when they're losing clients yeah. to, um, to 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 that. So yeah, I mean it's it's really interesting, and you would hope, like I said, that somebody has looked into this to what degree. But at the same point, you know, it's it's like talking about free agency, right? Teams can't recruit players, but the players can recruit players. I don't know where the line is of hey, LeBron. I don't technically own Clutch Sports, but maybe you want to come over and hang out with me anyway. Yeah, right. you can also like, I think a lot of people are going to read this article and the NBA agent survey and also read that and go, yeah, you're just jealous because LeBron's not only winning, you know, on the court, he's winning off the court now. His agency is, you know, doing better than yours, let's say, or taking your guys and like, okay, you're throwing out Nerlens Noel and like, you know, Shabazz Napier, whoever you're sorry, sorry you were throwing out their tasks. I forget off the top of my head. Was it Muhammad? Shabazz Muhammad? I can't remember. No, you said. got the And Norris okay, Cole. Was Norris, Norris Cole, Cole was the third. Yeah, that multiple like, champion Norris Cole. Yeah, but people are going to read that and go, give me a break. I mean, like, you really think uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports and, and by extension LeBron is like burying those guys' career? People are going to go like, come on, it's uh, there's other factors at play here. Maybe they're not that great is what happens. So, Because then you could look at Contavious Caldwell-Pope and go, a lot of people, well, man, LeBron, if anything, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports made that guy a lot of money. Now he backed it up in the finals, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think uh, people were a little shocked with that. Uh, what he got and what he had done up to that point in his career. And maybe that was, again, a little LeBron bump. So I'm just saying it's like probably going to come down to how you ultimately feel about LeBron as you head into this article of like, oh, yeah, that's not fair. He shouldn't be able to do that. Or give me a break, you know, anonymous agents. Like he's just beating you again off the court just like he does on. That's my personal opinion on it. Right. Yeah. It, it, there's no, it, it's case by case because, yeah, yeah. Nerlens Noel turned down four for 80 and, and this agent tends to be putting that on the shoulders of Rich Paul. Hey, you messed that one up. Okay. Agents definitely uh, mess things up. But you're right in that they're in competition uh, with LeBron. And that's 
I find that interesting going back to, uh, hey, he's got this uh, well-tailored public image and it's over-choreographed. I understand if you're in competition with him and he controls the media to some degree, how uh, you might feel that way. But as a fan for us who, you know, Ben, you're, you're much more in the media than we are as far as writing goes. So I think we're a little bit a step back from that. And we understand that the best of the best choreograph their image. If we're talking <laughs> goat status, Michael Jordan had his image tailored to a T uh, and, and, and Braun is in that realm. And, I understand if you're an agent, you might be a little furious. You might be a little angry with how things have gone. Uh, but from our perspective, I think the philanthropic, um, the, the endeavors weigh a little bit more and what he's done on the floor weigh a little bit more. But even as you said, a lot of love from the agents in that regard, right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. I mean, whether choreographed or not, he's raised a lot of money. Uh, for various uh, organizations and charities. He's obviously done good uh, for the community you know, from, from his native Ohio and elsewhere. So there's a lot to like, regardless of how one, how it got there. Um, that there's a lot there's a lot that he's done that, that's, that, that's been great and beneficial, obviously, even just in this election year, you know, just the way he, he has spoken out on, on numerous topics, including Black Lives Matter. Uh, obviously, it go, goes a long way towards helping uh, people in, in these causes. So th- there's a lot to like. And like I said, even those, as he said, even those who were, kind of crapping on him a bit simultaneously gave him respect for, for some of the things that he's done. But look, and I would probably just add this at a very basic level, power is a power is a, is, is, is a thing. And if you, those who have it, keep it flaunted and do what they can with it. And those who don't or want more take shots at those that have it. And mm-hmm. obviously nobody has more power than LeBron. I mean, you, you know, we mentioned the Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? Basically he was on the Lakers the last couple of years because LeBron was there. Right. At least it felt that way that, that they, they basically said to the Lakers, hey, you have to keep bringing this guy back because he's on our books. Obviously, ironically, then it worked out well for, for them for this title run. But, you know, having a lot of having a lot of power influences, you know, even these agents who have other clients, it influences because either LeBron is, you know, they whatever he's he, he's blocking them, perhaps in some other ways. They want to get their guys to some team and maybe something LeBron is doing or, or Clutch is doing is influencing that for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's just a fun dynamic to see and, and to get a feel for how these other people view it. We always typically hear from the LeBron side of things to hear from the other side of how people view him certainly was uh, w- w- was pretty fun. Yeah, it was crazy. You actually mentioned uh, Black Lives Matter there, Ben, and that was a part that caught me by surprise in, in this article in the survey. It was the question was about thoughts on how the NBA handled the bubble and COVID-19 and all that. And one agent, um, you know, said, yeah, they did a great job putting the bubble together, but they completely, quote, I'm quoting them here, they completely shit the bed with all this nonsense. They really hurt the business. All of this Black Lives Matter stuff. I think that the players are being manipulated into something that they don't really understand, and I think it's a horrible look for the league. And honestly, this agent went sort of on and on and on here. Um, that was like a little eye-opening. Now, I don't know if this was an agent that you spoke to or one of the other one of the other mics, I guess, spoke to. Um, but were you, uh, if you did talk to them or didn't, just as shocked from, uh, wow, seeing that, um, like an agent. Again, it's off record, I get, but still sharing that with one of you guys uh, and saying, yeah, go ahead, you know, it's anonymous, throw it in. That was a little surprising to me. Yeah, so I mentioned before that I do, I've done this now a couple times on the NFL side. I always think if you put these sports leagues in the political spectrum, the NBA comes off as by far the more most liberal of the four main sports. The NFL is a little more middle ground to some degree. 
uh, not, at least in terms of, I should say, not not necessarily in terms of the players, although even the players, it's a little more split, but like just in terms of just the, the overall thinking of, of a league. So yeah. I had some agents, when I did this survey on the NFL side, it was earlier in the pandemic. It was right around the time of, um, it was after uh, George Floyd's uh, death in Minnesota, but still things were much, much fresher at that point. And you had more people pushing back on the, the idea of Black Lives Matter and what it's doing to the league. The NBA side, we, we, I think we only had the one voice that, that said that, but in the NBA to hear anybody sort of go that way is interesting because it's not a voice you've heard much at all, th- that dissenting voice to, to the move to the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement. And ultimately it is just one, As like I said, I, I have, we, we interviewed 20 people. I believe that was the only one who answered. I don't know if everybody answered uh, that question per se, but, uh, it was just that one. So yes, look, this is people are going to have differences of opinion. He obviously did, and I'm and I'm sure one of the big questions that's going to come out of this bubble, and when people look at the ratings in the NBA, I know ratings were down across sports in general, but you know for the NBA specifically, how much did politics factor in to that decline in ratings? This person seems to think that it had had a factor for sure, and you know that'll be an interesting autopsy as we go forward here as to figure out what what the impact was could have been for the better obviously you know uh for, you know as, as more and more attention was was brought to to that and, and to other and to other matter other social matters so mm-hmm. it, it, interesting for sure and like i said i guess it's just one voice but a loud voice because of you know the, because of the situation and uh you know interesting to hear somebody in the nba world criticize the league for that aspect yeah yeah again i was uh completely shocked and you just your your mind immediately goes to like what are the uh, you know the the players of this agent think of of this response. Are they all aligned? Are they not? I mean, yeah, you just see. It's like you're right. I think maybe it is jarring for me because like you wrapped it up there well. It's like you do think of this league, and it is. It's it's quite liberal. It's obviously it's, it. I think they could have done even more, of course, but did a, did embrace you know some sort of social justice message. And, and again, could they have done more? Yes. Um, and that was even you know a little bit of a. A headbutt in between players of the players' association and the league itself, but you also get it is a business. All this, but wow, when you see like someone uh, sort of uh, going off script, I guess, or just shocking you, like uh, that, it's like wow, they really think that that this killed the ratings and that they this is a bad look for the league. Surprising uh, to, to say the least, but uh, you're right, just one of, of the twenty. The other only other one I can think of was like. They said, like, from a business standpoint, 10 out of 10 in terms of running the bubble. From a social justice perspective, it left something to be desired, was as far as that other agent would sort of go. So maybe they could thought they could do more. But then they even said, still a lot better than all these other leagues, um, at least in terms of, like, trying to uh, tell, encourage people to vote, obviously opening all these arenas and, uh, you know, the messages on the back of the jerseys and stuff. So anyway, I thought, uh, I, I thought that was uh, – I think that will get some uh, – people buzzing a little bit too because again i think it's just so out of left field really for the league in general by and large these agents were overwhelmingly supportive and appreciative of what the nba yeah. pulled off here across the board i mean and not just that they did it the nba was out front of, of so many leagues in terms of uh how they're going to how they're going to do this the idea of the bubbles you know talking about a bubble in march we we're all like what what, yeah. what is this going to do um and so i think people were by and large overwhelmingly appreciative of what adam silver and everybody could do but yeah, there were a couple a couple voices that were like, yeah, I, I got a I got a different thought here. Yeah, yeah, it's good to to hear that from agents, not because it's uh, I I don't agree with the sentiment that Black Lives Matter caused a lot of people to turn off their televisions, but uh, just hearing from these people that you don't often hear from was very interesting, and and by and large, there is a, 
a subsection of people that think that, that think that mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter caused people to turn off their televisions. But there was another Ben, Ben Strauss, uh, who wrote for the Washington Post an article detailing if Republicans are, have stopped watching basketball, uh, if that was the reason over the last six months. And that article in the Washington Post breaks it down as not really. If you watch basketball before, you still watch basketball now. And, and it is a, just, a, I think, the easiest thing to say uh, if you're uh, a fan. It, it's just like the first thing that stands out in people's minds. Black Lives Matter is right on the court. So it's the first connection. It's not really, there's not really much nuance or thought going into your analysis of why ratings are down. And as you said, ratings are down everywhere, uh, right. essentially. Even, even the beloved NFL that you cover. Uh, is uh, is struggling a little bit here in the regular season when the regular season is also matching their uh, their standard calendar. Um, any thoughts on the NFL since we're talking little NFL? <laughs> uh, uh, NFL ratings, NFL season going well. There's a lot of COVID cases that are happening uh, throughout uh, at the NFL teams right now. There are, there are. I mean, I think that's you know they, they were getting by the first few weeks. And now all of a sudden, this, things are starting to ramp up. They, they've had. Uh, so they had the one big outbreak in Tennessee. They had to reschedule a couple things here and there, but at the moment, it's still still hang, hanging in there. The team I cover here in Washington, knock on wood, uh, has not had any has not had any issues yet. Um, and yeah, the ratings I think are down a little bit, but I don't think it's that dramatic. You know, it, it's interesting. Look, I, look, I'm as big of a sports fan as anybody, or at least I certainly have been for the most of my of my life. I wasn't that excited to watch sports. I didn't need it. I wasn't one of those people desperately in need. For sports to return i understand the importance of it i mean my job alone it's kind of a thing for me to, to be able to have something to do so my bosses decide i'm, I'm I, they should keep me around um but like you know there's a lot else going on right now in this world so i wasn't going wow i have to get this and i suspect a lot of people felt that way plus i mean the the amount of sports happening simultaneously like the other day the french open semifinals were happening the dollar Djokovic were in it and I would be watching that. I didn't even know. I, I forgot it was even happening. Right, right. Until I saw that they were in the semifinals. I was like, oh, I mean, the Triple Crown apparently has gone on here in the last <laughs> month or so. No, no, no earthly idea. I mean, the, even the World Series, uh, you know, game one was yesterday. I barely have watched in part because the team I cover here is keeping me busy. But there's just too much happening both all at the same, same time and also um, – like I said, the world itself. So I, I get why ratings are down, I think, without even having to go into too many details. But yes, I mean, I think I made a good point. If people want to say why I didn't watch the NBA and they're maybe not an all-in fan anyway, it's an easy thing to point to about yeah. the over-politicalization. I, I think our colleague Richard Deitch made the point when he said the Triple Crown ratings were down. It must be because the horses were overly political. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, 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 sometimes it's just, it's not that complicated. You don't have to sort of try to find an excuse. There was a lot going on. There's a lot going on now, and there has been for the, you know, all year. The ratings were down for the Kentucky Derby. That is crazy. <laughs> There's so many sports. You're totally right. I was scrolling through an app, just scrolling for that day's sports uh, a couple days ago. I think I was scrolling for like three minutes. There There's soccer leagues <laughs> in Mexico going on right now, and, and obviously everywhere. There's a lot of sports going on. You could you could watch sports from everywhere. And, and, you talked about the, the NFL. We know John Wall is watching, at least, as we saw a little bit earlier in the show. John Wall is still getting in on the, the Washington football team. How do you feel about the Washington football team not coming up with a name? Yeah, what's going on with that? Are they ever going to name this team? Oh, boy. Uh, the, the hardest part is having to write because, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying the football team. It just sounds like something. Like, it sounds like with the, the, t- the name of the team, like a Charlie Brown 
uh, cartoon or something. Like it's so, it's it's so insanely generic. So I just use Washington over and over and over again, and it looks rid- rid- ridiculous. Um, you know what? I'm fine. I'm I'm actually happy that they haven't renamed it. Let it go until the off season. There's been too much going on with this team since like the start of July. The amount of topics I've had to deal with that are beyond just like who's the quarterback right. is crazy. So I'm happy that they're kicking this can down the road. Get into next year. It is weird that that it happened. I mean, I understand why they finally felt pressured into making the name change. Yep. I don't what that they came up with. What they came up with. I, I, I you know, I don't know. It's 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 kind of. I mean, the football team is so silly. But um, <laughs> but but, I, but I'll be honest with you. Some people in the, around here are digging it. Um, it is because it is sort of oddly classic, really weird. I think people might prefer a football club because that sounds more like a. You know, like, like a soccer team, but yeah. you know, wh- whatever. It's there's some momentum to keep football team. I don't know if that's gonna happen though. We'll, we'll see. Right. Who are you cheering for? The big game. I like the football team. Nice. <laughs> Go football team. Right. <laughs> I love it. I think they should keep it. I'm all in on it. All right, let's. Uh, oh, yeah. We got a few more questions here with this survey though, Tassie. Yeah, we should get back to basketball here for a sec, Ben. We'll, we'll we got a few more questions and we'll let you go. But as far as the draft goes, the draft is happening next month. It's like you you talked about there with the World Series and, and tennis. It's crazy. The the draft is coming. It seems like it's coming out of nowhere. And these agents you talk to, not only do they uh, have NBA players as their clients, but also prospective draft uh, prospects. Uh, and they're getting them ready for this draft day. But it's been a lot different uh, because of the bubble and everything going virtual. In general, why did agents dislike the process that they've had to go through so much these last few months right so i think we can like sort of appreciate that for the prospects you don't get the workout with in front of teams right during this the way you normally would those those workouts were always you know we always love these reports oh so and so killed it in in this workout and going up against that person or whatever it may be wow this team just fell in love well that's not happening this is all it's now being done essentially all virtual but the interesting part from the agent perspective is that this doesn't get discussed normally is the cost. Because what happens is when these players leave school, um, the agents, especially when you're talking about the higher profile prospects, they are fronting the bill for these guys in a lot of ways on training, on housing, food, uh, sometimes travel, depending on the situation. That's a normal process of like the college basketball season, let's just say ends in March or or the beginning of April, depending on, on on the player and the college team. And then it goes to the end of June for the draft. Uh, the, you know, the college season got ended beginning of March, like everything else. Some guys started declaring early, and now we're in October. This draft is still not happening. Agents have had to be, for when they got some of these clients, have had to pay for these guys for a much longer. <laughs> and for some agents, that is a, it's not a, it's not a win-win situation, uh, even up front normally, uh, because of this, you know, the, the, the cost, but like, it's just, you know, it's sort of not, I wouldn't say it's a lost leader, but at the same point, it's like, okay, we want these clients. This is what we're doing. We're thinking ahead to the next contract and what other clients we can get from this and so on. But in this case, they've had to hold on to these guys for months. And for some agents and some agencies, it was a massive financial burden. So it, it really is. And also there's this the unknown, right? I mean, we sort of have a sense now of when this draft is going to be, but for months, nobody had a clue what was going to happen. And that makes, for such a, a crazy dynamic, how do you keep your guy uh, in shape physically and mentally? How do you, again, how do you know w- what you should be doing for them? Uh, what, what should you be spending money on without knowing what the end date is? So it really made for some challenging decisions and uh, and, 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 and uh, financial circumstances 
for some of these people. That is one thing I never thought about. Agents house, work out, and feed players for months after the college basketball season is done. It just, it just never occurred to me that they're basically going through you know months of workouts. So it turns from two months, as you said, to six months. And uh, uh, there was no NCAA tournament as well. So... You know that you know cut off a chunk of time. Uh, I, I never thought of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, you, as you said, there weren't any workouts, right? There's there's no workouts done in person. I needed to confirm this because of a, a personal a story. So no workouts, right? That's my impression that everything is being done virtually. I think they're having some type of you know uh, group virtual workouts, but I haven't followed this aspect that closely. But yeah, I don't think nobody's traveling. To, to New York to, to, to work out directly in front of the Knicks or anything like that. Yeah, see, I bring that up because the Israeli prospect who might go four, five, six, Denny Abdiya, uh, was shown to me on Facebook by my in-laws. My in-laws are Israeli, just like Denny Abdiya. And my mother-in-law said, did you see Denny Abdiya is at Crema Cafe in Sandy Springs, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta? And, and immediately I thought, He's probably working out for the Hawks, who have a, a high draft pick. Uh, but then thinking about it, they're not working they're not out. Doing that. Is he just visiting family here in Atlanta, Georgia? So I'm going to have to have a conversation with them. That um, <laughs> he was probably just visiting. Uh, but the, it is strange when you, when you think about uh, yeah. how they're how they're going to evaluate players. I mean, he could be working out with one of these, you know, skills coaches, yeah. something, something like that. But yeah, he's an interesting prospect. I, I'm kind of waiting to dive into the YouTube as a member of the tribe. I, I'm interested in what this guy, uh, <laughs> what, 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 what he can do. And uh, yeah, I was kind of, you know, if you're going to make me sort of gauge a guy, I wouldn't mind watching and taking with the ninth pick. I was like, ooh, wait, can can he? Uh, <laughs> can, can he slip? Can, can he can he slip a little bit? I, I'll take that. For what it's worth, my father-in-law thinks he shouldn't come over. He's too young. He's 19. <laughs> uh, he's he he's 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 said to me multiple times. Do not say this on air. Don't say it. But I think he's too young. He doesn't want to say it because he wants to claim glory when he plays really well right. in a couple of years from now. But I mean, he does look a little slight. I'm going with my father-in-law. He should stay another year over uh, over for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Tassa's in-laws are plugged in here. I love this. Right, yeah, sure. You want to hear about Dragon Bender? Dragon Bender <laughs> has gone back to Maccabi Tel Aviv. Oh, wow. And not playing well right now. Not he's he's uh, He played for Maccabi, went to the NBA for four years. My father-in-law said he was better the first time before he came back. Uh, <laughs> what happened to Dragon Bender? Oh, that's, that's sad. That is sad. It is sad. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, let's go on to the uh, the start of the season because you you asked uh, a bunch of agents when they believe the start of the season is happening. It's a, it's a hot topic right now. Uh, there were an array of answers. <laughs> Nobody uh, knows is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I thought the most interesting one answer to me was Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, was that a joke? <laughs> no, no, no. When people, uh, Ben, you're a football guy. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. People's pregame show, the pregame show starts quite often at 12, 1, 2. Nobody wants to watch a pregame show for six and a half hours. Plug in those NBA games right there. 
one, three thirty. <laughs> I don't know about that idea. Get that, get that NFL audience jumping over. But is there? Uh, Skeets is right. Nobody really knows. Uh, but is there sort of a consensus or, or a feeling on on what's going to happen in the calendar year of twenty twenty one? Yeah, I, I can see sort of the idea of drafting off the Super Bowl uh, earlier in the day. It's, it's a little interesting. I probably don't see that happening. Um, yeah, you're right. At, at the end of the day, nobody has any idea. And I think that's pretty apparent based on just how the NBA is right now. I mean, how – look, the variables are – they pulled off the bubble. Fantastic job. But the other variables are still there. There's no vaccine. We don't know how this thing is – going, how this virus is going to get – reduce the cases are spiking around the country so the idea of and it's october now january is not that far away forget player arrest or anything like that are we really in a position to think that um that that this is going to be look and i think the thing is like i don't think anybody wants another bubble they want to get back to the home arenas to have fans in the stands and you know while the nfl teams are starting to do that to a degree these are outdoor stadiums that that normally have 70 80,000 people and we're talking like you know, in a lot of cases, six to 10,000 people coming in. NBA, obviously, it's enclosed. That presents other challenges. How many people can you get in there to even feel safe, even if you're willing to do that? So to me, the idea of January seems impossible. It basically ranged from January to March. The March one seems to be more realistic, which is to say, I don't know if it's realistic. It's of of those options, the further down the road makes the most sense to me. And I think to a lot of the other, a lot of the, the people that we spoke with, for, for sure. But I, I think at the end of the day, uh, no matter what anybody says, the, the amount of unknowns are, are pretty significant. And look, let's be realistic. There's an election in two weeks. To some degree, this factors into in, into all this, because depending on how that goes, mm-hmm. could re, could shape how we as a country view this issue. Are we taking it seriously or are we still kind of acting like it's not a thing? So um, I think from the NBA perspective, you have to that that has to be part of the decision. And like I said, my sense is, that, and I don't think this is a shocker, the owners, they don't want another bubble. How do we get fans in the stands? And I just don't see how anybody can project that's happening by January or really anytime soon. Yeah. One thing I took away from this, uh, again, awesome survey from the agents is an agent's job is to have all the information, right, for their clients. Sure. And these guys... They don't have a lot of this information. We just talked about the draft process and how, like, obviously a bit of a whirlwind that was and still is to some extent. Now we have a draft date. Good. Um, Salary cap? No idea. Still not confirmed. You know, obviously a date for next season? No idea. That's got to be super frustrating frustrating again when your job is to have all the answers. Uh, When your clients are like, well, what's going on here? And you're just like left going, I don't know. Now, like, I'm not going boo-hoo for the agents right now by any means. Like, there's more important things, really, than even starting another NBA season. But I can see why... um, they, they are a little like, just like, let's go. Let's, what are we doing here? It's you're just let, a, a lot of people left going, well, what are we going guys? Um, that's gotta be tough. I, I could understand at least putting myself in their, in their very expensive agent shoes. Why that would be uh, a little frustrating, right? Cause I, I, that it felt like that came up a little time and time again in some of the questions you asked these guys. Yeah, for sure. And I think also the, um, you know, the, the, the reality is that, you know, look, the, the, the players are, that they hire these agents for a reason, reason. You mentioned that they have the information. Not all these players are that sophisticated. And you mentioned the salary cap. Look, we don't know what's going to happen. If the, if the NBA has to, you know, th- they may be able to sort of have a, keep an artificial high number in terms of what teams can spend. But in terms of the actual dollars that come in, I mean, I heard uh, Brian Windhorst the other day talk about this, that the, um, you know, the, the league, you know, they always kind of keep, uh, keep some of the money from the players back 
to the to hold till the end of the year to determine um, how much the league you know made in mm -hmm. profits and then send the money back you know more or less depending on on that they may have to hold back more because the unknowns are pretty significant this time and how is it how do you as an agent tell your client oh by the way you're not even gonna you're not as much as you think you may get you're not even gonna get that much this time at least not up front and we don't and we don't know your 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 actual salary could just could possibly be be be, be cut to to a degree so yeah the, the, look this is where we are as, as, a, as a society this is one aspect of this is that this league is is dealing with it just like a lot of us are we don't know day to day what is going to happen and um like you said the agents are in a position to be all knowing and they can't be right now mm -hmm. right they and they keep that money uh, the reserve money in an escrow account right because i i just love saying the term escrow account one of my favorite terms escrow account uh and you, you, skeets mentioned agents and their expensive agent shoes i was thinking did you conduct these interviews over zoom or was it over a phone call because i can mm. see agents leaning back in their chair while reading all these long paragraphs that they were they were spouting off to you to you and, and mike borkanov and michael lee and just riffing throwing their legs up on their big big desk uh potentially <laughs> smoking a little cigar their shoes on their desk and just letting it rip uh zoom or phone calls uh phone calls for me you know is one of those things where you, you take them when you when they're available uh you know, uh, so yeah, there wasn't wasn't a lot of hey, I'm gonna send you a link and could you click on this? And <laughs> it was like, oh, you not like we right do now? it here. Not right, like we do right it here on no Yeah, let, 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 let's go. But yes, I would have liked in some cases the image of what what they're actually doing. Um, you know, you have to imagine in your head. I always tried to start off the conversation, and I meant it sincerely. Like, how are you doing mm -hmm. dealing with 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 everything? But then it was sort of like, what are you doing? And just trying yeah. to get the visual of like there was a lot of uh, you know dealing with kids and things like that. But there was definitely a lot of power agent stuff you could tell happening um just by the way they're conducting themselves and it would have been fun to uh to see their uh jerry Maguire uh set up <laughs> all right is there anything uh, we've missed that you wanted to touch on ben or or also uh make sure you let people know where they can find your work sure no i appreciate it i mean i think the only other thing that we sort of we didn't get into and it's, it's a good part of the survey also is we asked a lot of questions about general managers front offices team presidents yeah. who they who they trust who they don't trust who they think are the best talent evaluators, GMs to watch, things like that. I always think that's a pretty interesting case because we didn't ask, I don't ask about coaches to these guys, not that they can't have an opinion based on how they view it, but that's not their job. Their job is to deal with player transaction and player contracts, and that's where the GMs obviously are their direct contact. So I always think that's interesting. Uh, we've mentioned a lot of this talk about LeBron and the Nets. We also had a question about who is simply the best player in the league right now, and all, all that part and some others Stuff will come up in part two, which will be up on Thursday, up on The Athletic. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ben Standig. Uh, like I said, right now it's mostly the Washington football team these days, but a lot of wizard stuff, and uh, I'm always down for a good NBA talk. The GOAT conversation, highly annoying, and I am in it every <laughs> single time. So uh, when, when, whenever you want to go, I'm in. Hey, who's the GOAT of the Washington football team? Uh, all time? Uh, yeah, Mark Rippin? I don't know. I don't oh. know anybody. <laughs> Uh, Daryl Green is probably the. Oh, okay, I do know Daryl Green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played for twenty years, a Hall of Famer. Uh, you know him. I mean, John Riggins had the classic Super Bowl moment where he breaks a tackle okay. uh, to, to to win the game. So those would probably be the top of two. But Daryl Green, uh, I'll go as the, as the as the Washington football team. All right, I know who that is, so that's a good answer. <laughs> and he probably he had a Skeets build, right? He was he was a very slim guy. If was I find, yeah, he he was he's like five nine, weighed nothing, but he's literally was one of the fastest humans on planet earth 
at his time. He could have been in the Olympics and all that. He wow. Was, that's what he was, he was, you know, whatever the 40 times that people talk about, his was faster. It was, wow. it was, it was, it was, it was stunning. Okay. Right. I'm going to go watch some Daryl Green highlights now here. I love it. Go watch, go watch him chase down Tony Dorsett. It'll, 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 it'll make your day better. I'm, I'm hitting YouTube as we <laughs> speak here. I love it. I might be a football fan. And by football fan, I mean a Washington football fan. I don't even know what the team is called. I'm, crazy stuff all right you can catch the agent survey and all of ben standig's work on the athletic as far as we go we will be back on friday mm-hmm. with a new beach stepping mailbag podcast thanks so much ben we'll see you friday thanks so much guys